Hey everyone, it's Lindsay. I just wanted to get on here and make a quick announcement about what you're about to hear. As you've heard rumored, Steve Barnes and I had decided to do a big wrap up of 1899. We were going to go over the show is the big picture and all the things we liked about it, our favorite characters. We had such a great time that we ended up talking for over three hours about 1899. And in order to make it a little bit easier on you, the viewer or listener, we've decided to break that wrap up into two parts. In part one, we'll go through the making of 1899 and also our rewatch notes as we went through and watched it in a quicker pace than we did during the recap episodes where we watched episodes every one or two weeks so we'll go through those notes and our general thoughts about the show and just sort of introductory stuff and then in part two we get into our favorite characters who we'd want to have a beer with our favorite moments of the show what we thought was coming next and talk about Bo and Yancha's future projects and about our future as collaborative partners working on a dark recap coming up next. We hope you'll listen to both parts, but just know that there is a part one and a part two of this 1899 wrap up. Thanks so much for listening and we hope you enjoy the show. Hello everyone. I'm here for one of my stories. This is Lindsay Dunn and joining me tonight is Steve Barnes, AKA Intravoid. Ahoy, Steve. Ahoy there, Lindsay. How are you tonight? I'm doing well, and I am ready to finish off 1899 <sighs> with you. Yeah. We did have to delay this a little bit. There's no easy way to say this, guys. <laughs> Steve touched the crystals, and <laughs> it took him out for a little while, and he wasn't feeling well. Uh, he had a black hand, and it was very unfortunate. But luckily, show them both your hands, Steve. I, I, uh, shook, luckily... I shook it off. I just did like what Virginia did. I was like, oh, except for me, it worked. Except it took like 24, 48 hours. But all better now. No more crystals. All good. He's Thank you feeling, for your concern. He's feeling better, but I was really worried about it. Uh, when he told me he touched those crystals, I was I was pretty confident that was going to delay our podcast, and it did. Yep. But we're able to finish up without one of our crew that was going to join us. I know uh, that that is definitely my fault. <clears throat> I should not have touched that crystal, or I should not have gotten whatever stomach bug I got. Um, but inadvertently, it happened. So it's it's all on me. Uh, maybe Nate will join us. I mean, this is like exciting. It's kind of like being at a Guns N' Roses concert, like wondering if Axl Rose is going to show up. Like, and if he does, like how late it's going to be. Like, I'm ready for Axl Rose. I hope he shows up. It doesn't look like he will. Um, but yes, we wanted to be joined by Nate, the Void Master. And because of my delay, I, I made this happen. And then our schedules just couldn't link up again for a while. So it's just the two of us, Lindsay. I hope you can deal with just me and, and not Nate, our buffer. <laughs> it's just the two of us. It feels a little bit like how Virginia, Ling was left with Virginia and yeah. Yuck wasn't there to play mediator. So 
it became a new sort of alliance and new sort of <laughs> you know it, character interaction but but that's okay i know that i'm in good hands with you and we can we can bounce off each other with these ideas and it'll, absolutely it'll be great so it's bittersweet talking about 1899 like one lat this is like you even like put on the zoom call like this is the last call or like the something about it being like the last time we're going to be talking about 1899 and i was really hopeful for those you know, season two to get swept up by Amazon or Netflix to change its mind or something, but they're all in on that other series that they're going to be doing, which looks kind of cool too, but it's not 1899. So it kind of looks like, I mean, what um, Jonte has like changed his avatar on Twitter to like match that new show he's doing. So it's like, eh, it looks like that's where all this focus is going to be going. So it kind of seems like indeed, this is the last time we're going to be talking about 1899. Next time we talk, we'll be talking about dark, Another property similar to, but I'll be missing this steampunky show. Well, with all the similarities, when we're talking about dark, who knows? There might be some 1899 <laughs> references we can throw in now. Every day there will be. <laughs> I, we got Ike Larson right there. <laughs> well, just make sure that you do not call him Capitan instead of, uh, you know, you have to call him by stranger, stranger Jonas. Um <laughs> We'll just have to, yeah, get our, make sure we have our shows tidy and straight. No promises. <laughs> <laughs> but this has been a journey. I've been on, you were on a journey with Nate. I was mm -hmm. on a journey with Anthony Black Cinephile. Mm -hmm. And we've been kind of watching each other from a distance and cheering yep. each other on. <laughs> and, um, but it's been, it's, I've been looking forward to this recap with you and it's sort of a, a bittersweet goodbye to 1899 for now. We still will never stop hoping and dreaming that maybe there will be what's <laughs> lost will be found. We'll get right. a continuation to this story in one format or another, but you finished the show much earlier than I did because you were mm -hmm. going at that breakneck speed that you fast ships like to go on of, of an episode a week where I was yes. doing, I was doing one episode every two weeks. And so as time went on, I was getting further and further from your shore. <laughs> sure. From my perspective, it was great though, because I was done. And then it was like, Oh, I get to dive back into, because when I was done with episode eight, you were putting out episode either four or five. Mm -hmm. And by that time we both knew the show had already been canceled and we were part of that save 1899 trip. And so it was from, from my perspective, it was neat because I got to watch it all over again. So I've seen the show more than you have because I was watching it along with like you and Anthony. Mm -hmm. um, so I don't know, for me, it was great. I'm sorry for you that um, I ran out of podcast quick. That was by design because <laughs> I wanted to get them out there quick. Um, mm -hmm. 1899 for me, uh, it definitely was a, was a point that I'll always kind of remember. It's not, I mean, it's not like the birth of a child or anything like that, but when it comes to pop culture, it will always kind of hold a place for me because I've been podcasting with James doing Wheel of Time, which was, you know, a fun podcast, but we had an audience of about 50 people. And as soon as I announced that Nate and myself were doing 1899, we all of a sudden had hundreds of downloads. We released the first two episodes and we have thousands of downloads. Then the show gets canceled and then all the downloads go away. <laughs> 
Um, but I'm still having fun, like making the memes with you and like watching the show with you. So I was really all in on this world from the time that I started my podcast till the time you finished yours, which was like last week. So mm. <laughs> this is kind of like, I'll still be going to those boards and looking at stuff and still mm -hmm. doing that. But I mean, I'll always remember that time that like 1899 kind of took me on the roller coaster ride. And that's not even discussing how much I love the show, which is what we're here to do. <laughs> that's like just my viewpoint of like how much it meant to me, I guess. I feel proud of the fact that we both still kept going because even yesterday I was looking for, if you can believe it, another 1899 podcast because I thought, hey, this is a now that I finished the show, it's a good chance to hear what some other perspectives were. And so yeah. I came across a another podcast. I believe it was called maybe the 1899 podcast was very creative name. Um, but I looked <laughs> that up and I noticed that after five episodes, they just stopped. Oh, so I guess once they, they found out the show was no longer happened, they just quit. They abandoned ship, gave up. And um, yeah, it's like, finish what you started because <laughs> that's not very loyalist of you to, to leave in the middle. And that, you know, I was, I saw that and I thought, well, you're not really you didn't really stick with it. And I, I was like, it's good that we stuck with it. And even though you were ahead of me, it was still nice for me that as soon as I got our podcast published or recorded, I was able to immediately go to yours and see what you guys had noticed that we missed. So it was nice to have this, have this partnership all around. Absolutely. And that other podcast, maybe they're download driven. Maybe they're driven by numbers because my numbers went way down once it got canceled back down to like the about 100 downloads per episode is what I was getting for my podcast at that point after it got canceled all told I think they all got like 300 downloads after a while but numbers definitely went down and that I, that was okay with me because I was used to having numbers low so mm -hmm. having them go up like that maybe this other podcast that was doing that and if they're going to name their podcast the 1899 <laughs> podcast that's that's very deliberate to like be the first you know, search term that you find when you look for 1899 podcast. So it's great marketing for them. Probably their numbers went down after episode four or five. And they're like, we need to get on, um, you know, mm -hmm. this new whatever series is, you know, I mean, I thought about doing that too, but nah, mm -hmm. I'm going to stick with just what I like. Yeah. Well, it was interesting for me because I noticed the same thing where episode five episode six every episode especially on youtube went down the listens or the watches on youtube but when you added in like soundcloud nothing dropped out it went up but in fact for some reason when i recorded episode eight that had like double the amount of listens i had from any other Same episode here. yep so i thought well maybe people wanted to hear the ending wanted to hear yes. how, what we how we felt about the ending yep and maybe they'll even like this show even more because we're going to take a broad view and this isn't going to be a recap. We're nah. going to revisit the show. We've already done that. We already recapped. So. <laughs> Twice over. <laughs> <laughs> Thrice, if you count like your written recaps. You did written recaps too. Jeez. Yes. And I still need to finish two written recaps, which, you know, seems exhausting to me now. But yeah. So where I wanted to start with this is to talk about the making of 1899 special, 
which uh, was a is a great thing to watch after you watch the whole show, all eight episodes. Go to Making of eighteen ninety nine. I thought that episode was in the eighteen ninety nine episode. You know the the series of episodes, but it's right. not. You have to go to a completely different um, Netflix entry. Making I think it's just called Making eighteen ninety nine. Actually, mm-hmm. not Making of eighteen ninety nine. But look up just look for 1899 and you will find it <laughs> on Netflix. So I wanted to talk about that special and just briefly did was there anything that you saw in that special that really interested you, surprised you, impressed you or added to your enjoyment of watching the show? Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> First off, I think just the existence of that show making of 1899 the fact that they went through the trouble to make a documentary and document everything and have all that stuff on set and like have all their bittersweet like goodbyes at the end and we'll be back next year next season's gonna rock y'all um little suspect in my opinion because i mean you don't do that for a show that you're just gonna half-heartedly put out there i'm thinking like um that show with a little kid who became a deer i think it's called sweet hoof or sweet tooth um, and that was a, you know, a decent sci-fi show, but they put like absolutely nothing behind it. It just kind of came out, no fanfare. Some people liked it. It went away. It got canceled. No big deal. At least to my knowledge, there wasn't like this big making of sweet tooth and like, let's, mm-hmm. you know, parade these people around. So I thought that was interesting in and of itself that after you get to episode eight of 1899, that is the next thing it suggests for you to watch on Netflix. It's like, you know, watch this next, the making of. So pretty much everybody (laughs) who is watching 1899 is like, okay, this show's been canceled. So now it's rolling over to this making of 1899. And it's, you go into it knowing the show has been canceled. You and I watched this. The first time we had watched this, we knew the show had been canceled. So it was just Watching it from that perspective just wasn't as enjoyable as it would have been watching it before knowing it had been canceled. But of course, you couldn't watch it because there's tons of spoilers in there, um, especially for the ending. Um, I'm not answering your question, but um, I'm going to ask you, Lindsay, what about you in the making of 1899? Um, you know, did any like particular part jump out at you or that you dug? Well, obviously, you're not gonna be surprised when I tell you I really liked when they showed the recording of the music and oh, how yeah. uh, Ben Frost did that inside. They would pipe it into the ship and record it in that in that uh, space yep. so that when the music was used, it had different sounds to it. Sometimes it sound would sound like it was coming from a distance or up close or in an echoey space and so they made they just took real great care in how they recorded the music and then it it also struck me that that's probably the same thing with the sound design in general because there were all those moments in the show where you would hear the creaking and groaning of the ship and the different all the sounds that were so part much a part of the experience of watching the show and so this is I'm sure that's exactly the same way he recorded those sounds as well. So that was very interesting to me. That's yeah, one that was, thing. Yeah, that was like probably the best. Like that surprised me that they actually went into actual <laughs> hollowed out ships to do all that stuff. Um, I think the part that made me like laugh the most, the part that kind of like delighted me the most, I guess, was 
when they were having the fight on board the ship and then Ivan, the actress who plays Ivan, was like relaxing in her robe down below being interviewed. I don't think she was smoking a cigarette, but she looked like totally at ease, just like so chill. And she was like, I started that fight and mm -hmm. I, I just loved it. I, she's not my favorite actress on the show and she's not my favorite character, but she won my heart in that moment. I loved it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. She mentioned that she was feeling tired after <laughs> they were doing that scene over and over she again. Was and pushing she was, just over. So she was doing rest. this for like probably an hour or more. <laughs> <laughs> um but other than that there was you know they showed how they brought the interpreters on set and that Ooh, they gave right. them direction and often like Bo does not speak Cantonese for <laughs> for example yeah but they're you know communicating with the act actresses that speak Japanese and they have interpreters but um at what I think one of the characters said, it's just like you would in real life. They're saying something you don't know exactly what they're saying in real life, but you're trusting that you understand the gist at least. And so it gave the language a, a bunch of realism. And I think there were mm -hmm. moments where you kind of got that confusion because you were thinking, wait, I thought they couldn't understand each other. And they really couldn't, but they all had the script, right? And right. Um, they're like, well, this is the part where they're going to say this and they're going to use their body language to communicate that. So I enjoyed seeing how they dealt with that, the language barriers that they had in set. I like that a lot. And <laughs> it doesn't really speak for like how, like in episode six and seven, how characters were having whole, com like Romero and Anchor and then like Virginia and Ivan having like whole conversations and they didn't understand a word. I mean, you know, that's, <laughs> but I do the day that they were showing the interpretation on the interpreters on set and everybody was speaking different languages. I really dug that because it reminded me like for about a year and a half, I worked with like an El Salvadoran crew and there was one guy on the crew that spoke English, but all the rest of the guys did not. And I didn't speak Spanish. And so I just learned like the key. I mean, they knew basic English enough to like buy stuff at the grocery store. Um, and I didn't know any Spanish. So they, t I just learned like the basic terms, but for the most part, my communication with them was like, we were working. So, you know, we mm -hmm. would look at each, like we'd have heavy equipment too. So all of our communication was like body language because we'd have blowers on our back or like running lawnmowers and, but we would all be in sync, like, you know, just by hand motions and like, you're that area, I'm this area, we meet here in the middle, do that. And I imagine that's how a lot of it was on the set. It's kind of, it just kind of took me back because I've been in that situation too, um, where, you know, I never, I did learn enough Spanish to like talk work talk, but I never had like full on conversations with any of those guys. None of those guys had a full on conversation with me, but I feel like I knew them, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that was one of the whole points of the show, too. I know one of the things we're going to get to is the general themes. And there you go. It's like communication and lack of communication was a big thing about this show. Uh, you brought it up and I'm just, you know, jumping ahead, but it's got to be said. And it, it struck me that that was when this show first came out. I remember that was the one of the aspects of the show I was the most excited about. But as we got further Same. along, I sort of forgot about that aspect that they're all speaking different languages 
because you're reading English, you don't necessarily think about it as you're watching it that that that's happening. You kind of there's scenes where it definitely stands out like any time, especially on hell. It's just like, what the hell is everybody saying? But in the first episode, he spoke perfect English, perfect English. Remember? <laughs> well, I, I felt that way, too. But later I went back and I realized that. He's he is speaking pretty good English, but it does have it does have a very heavy accent. Um, but you're right. What he did speak a lot of English in that episode. Um, I'm not talking trash about Angel or 1899. Love it. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, it, it's almost like it's almost like during the episode, some care each character they alternated which character spoke the better better English. <laughs> you know, sometimes it was Olek who would manage to scrape out uh, something as why turn ship. Yeah, he was pretty good at that. Yeah. Clements was too. Clements was not too bad at the English herself. Yeah, the French, I don't know. I I feel like the French were always like the provincial race. They would always <laughs> learn English too. Um so that wasn't as impressive to me, but Oh, well. Yeah, um, I guess so. But yeah. <laughs> I think the I will say the final thing about the making 1899 that I was found interesting was they were talking about the costumes. And Yantia says I wrote that each down too. <laughs> character had a superhero piece. And I was trying to think of they didn't necessarily show them all. They did obviously Ling Yi's is her is her robe, her beautiful gi kimono. or whatever. Kimono, yes, thank you. Um, but I, I didn't know if we could figure out together what everybody's superhero piece was. Absolutely. Well, Virginia had that green beetle, so she would be like the green beetle, I guess. You mean the green dress? Yes, but it right. had like that beetle design on it. It had pyramids too, but the beetle design was prominent. Um, Yuck, she was all in black, so she'd be like an assassin type. Um, so the three of those ladies are definitely like in their superhero uniforms. Mm -hmm. um, and Clements, I thought of the red boots, and you referenced absolutely. those several times. The red boots, there she's showing those off. Uh, they're rad boots. How could you not? And I would put Clements like her uniform would be with the pants too, because that was a big moment for her. She like caught her breath and like putting those pants on was a big deal. So the, the big frilly blouse, the pants, the boots, very similar to our girl Mora. Um, that's her superhero uniform. Of course, that, that maroon blouse with the big shoulders. I don't know why the big shoulders got to be like that, but they are. Mm -hmm. And then her, green pants divided for writing Mawila time fan so you have to say that um let's see ike of course ike was very interesting because when during the rewatch you notice like the first episode he's got that coat he's mm -hmm. got the tie he's got everything then he loses the coat then he loses like the tie then he loses his vest he like gets more <laughs> and more naked not yeah. literally, but he loses a lot of clothes as it goes on. And I think that's, a, I think they talked about that. I think I heard that somewhere. That's not an original thought. I think somebody put that thought in my head. Maybe it was somebody on Facebook or Reddit, perhaps. Um, but well, also his hair gets more and more unruly as well. That's right. That's right. The first episode, it was really nice and tight. Um, mm -hmm. That was the beginning of the simulation, though. We're talking about superhero uniforms and Angel is our man in white. And Ramiro is our priest, so of course they got their uniforms. Um, 
and who else are our main characters? Lucian and Jerome. Jerome is interchangeable. Um, he's kind of a chameleon, kind of drifts in and out of uh, uniforms and just finds jackets and shoes where he can. <laughs> yeah, he's he's the scrapper. He's like, I will take any old scraps and put them together. Um, but he he took a crew uniform. That was that was what he stole. With Big Crester, mistake, bro. With Crester, I was thinking about the his hats. hat. Right, the bowler yeah. hat. Um, the poor guy didn't have pants that fit. I mean, they were like way too short for him. But I guess that comes with Oh, I didn't I didn't notice. <laughs> well, if you um the boy Elliot he has short pants but that's kind of the English schoolboy style but men do not yeah. wear pants that short in Crestor's case I'm guessing it has to deal with has to deal with his class the fact that you know maybe he couldn't afford pants they couldn't afford the size of yeah. pants so he's wearing what his family can afford you know the family is in poverty obviously well, he's a teenager, so probably he wore those pants just fine like a year and a half ago, and he's sprouted up in the past couple of years, you know, because he's supposed to be a teen. See, I didn't necessarily get that picture. Like, what makes you think he's a teen? Oh, well, from the um, the preliminary material they put out in 1899, they had like this, that newspaper, and it had like all the information about the characters and, you know, like all those clues that me and Nate went through before the show even came out. Um, you haven't seen that? I never saw the paper, no. Oh, you got to check it out. I'll send you a copy of it. Everybody look it up too. It's in Reddit. I think if you just Google like, um, you know, Reddit and then go to the 1899 group and then like, uh, what would the phrase be for that? Um, promotional, Germany promotional newspaper because that's what it is. And um, I don't have an actual copy, but the digital copy is good enough. That's what me and Nate looked at. And it had all their ages and all their names and like their occupations and things like that. And I remember Tove and um, Crestor being teenagers. Don't remember their exact ages, but they were not 20. Okay. Well, they look much older than, <laughs> I mean, not the, acting, you know, actors have many, many instances, you know, <laughs> they play characters who are yeah. older than them or younger than them. Um, but I, I always thought, I thought they were in their twenties or something. Um, but uh, what about Daniel? He's got that jacket, you know. Like, remember uh, when he made, generic, that, made that look... hot topic jacket? Yeah. Yes, but I mean, it's true. It's not as cool as Ike's. But I think that's the whole point. I think that's the mm -hmm. point. Is like Daniel is like the first husband, and then Ike <laughs> is like the the second guy after the first guy's out of the way, and the the second better you know, V2 version. So he's got the better jacket, better haircut, you know, better expressions, better eyes. Anyway, let's not bag on Daniel. Um, he does have that jacket and you can't take it away from him, especially when he leaped off that balcony in the coal room, that looking cool. like Batman. That was cool. I mean, he also has his that. device. I know that's not a, yeah, that's not a costume necessarily, but it's a prop. And a lot of the characters had props too, you know, like Angel had his cigarette case and uh -huh. uh, Crestor has the cross and Mara has her necklace and Tove has her rifle. <laughs> I'm really getting it. <laughs> I wouldn't associate her with the rifle. That's when great. Did, okay. At a certain point, she had the rifle and she had yeah. that thing the whole Absolutely. The rest of the time. 
true. I mean, yeah, and she was going crazy with it, episode five. But um, you brought me around to like, I wrote this down um, to talk about later, but we're talking about their costumes. So we have to talk about, we don't have to, but we're going to um, talk about Mara's key. Her key was the key that was sent to her in that, that envelope. But then Daniel switched the code. The key baby became her wedding ring. Mm-hmm. Both of those objects were there on the boat, and like you know, Elliot had them. So all the letter holders probably all had keys of their own, and we would have gotten to that in season two or three. And I wanted to this is the perfect time. We got I got the names of all our letter holders here, and what I think would be their keys, and we're going to see if we line up here. So first off, you mentioned um, that cigarette case uh, that immediately makes me think about Crestor and Angel. I don't know if that would be a key or not, but it could definitely be like a device that would have something to do with something. But what do you think the key for um, Ike would be? Well, he is the key because of his name. <laughs> True. Is we, uh, okay. But if he had but his key- picture with his family. Yeah, I think so too. Or the ribbon. I was thinking one or the other. Mm-hmm. Um, Clements. Well, Clemence is interesting because she, her letter, we're not sure if that's even her letter. That might be Lucian's letter. True, true. And I saw a really it's hers, interesting, though. let's assume it's hers. I don't know. She didn't have anything except for the red boots. I mean, she had that triangle headpiece. That's what I was thinking. In the earrings. I think those were like Screen and Clemence. That's mm-hmm. what I was trying to go. Um... So you already know these answers and you're mm-hmm. just seeing if I can you. guess them. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have one for Ling. For Ling, I'd put um, wig ornament, question mark. So I don't really have one for right. Ling. What do you think for Ling? Yeah, the wig. Um, I can't think of any other objects besides her crazy shoes that she had that she hung around with. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, if it was anything, it might be something that... Um, her friend May May gave her, but yeah, I don't. I think I'm going to just go ahead and say this one because for a couple of years, there's really no answer like Virginia. I don't really notice like an object with her, but I was thinking that big teacup sip everybody talks about in the first episode. If it turned out that Virginia's key was a teacup, that would be a really awesome callback to that moment. I think. Mm -hmm. And Jerome. (laughs) Uh, with Virginia, what I remember mm-hmm. about her the most is that she has that scene when she's when she's just hired Lang to go entertain Lucian, mm-hmm. and we haven't seen what's in her letter yet. So, oh, that's right. Um, but she had that stack of money, and she was wearing her towel in like a Turkish style, and she was counting her bills and she was smoking desperately... a cigarette and drinking her yeah. her bourbon or whatever. She was desperately looking for that letter in episode seven or eight. And like she did find it. But Hen- yeah, she we was never crying saw what over was in it. her letter. Yeah. Whatever was in there is her key for sure. And Henry was watching, loving it. <laughs> <laughs> but um Olick, I was thinking Olick's folded photo too, because it seemed mm-hmm. like an obvious one for Olick, but I don't know. These characters, I love them. Yeah. Is that are those all the characters that are left? Um, what about Ramiro? Oh, yeah. Um, I was just thinking the beads that he um, always had and the beads that were on the ground. 
when we went to Ramiro's like Southwestern world. Mm -hmm. That's really the only object you could think besides the clothes, his superhero uniform, mm -hmm. those beads, could, I think. He could maybe have um, on Hell's sketchbook um, could somehow. That played a big role. Offer, yeah. yeah. The sketchbook was a very interesting prop, if nothing else, even if right. it's not a key. I just feel like everything meant something. I feel like there's no wasted words or no wasted anything. I feel like everything deserves to be poured over, and that's why we're doing it. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. So was there anything else from making 1899 you wanted to call out? No, not really. I think we have a lot of more fun talk coming ahead because we're going to talk about some of our favorites, and I think it's time we can get into that. I can't think of anything else. I mean... No. Okay. Nope. Well, before we get to our callouts, uh, you know, we did a we did a rewatch, and I was curious if anything in particular stood out from your rewatch you want to name before we go into our most this and most that. Yeah. Um, watching Sebastian is pretty fascinating. Um, I have a, a huge suspicion that Sebastian is Kiri and her brother because they both have red hair. It checks out. It all checks out. Um, so I love like any time that he and Mara interact. And so the more you rewatch and the more you watch his eyes and his breaths, <laughs> the more meaningful it seems. Um, I mean, I loved watching all my favorite moments again, but I think, I think that going back and just kind of, with that suspicion in my mind, that's the most fun of a rewatch is. And I really enjoy that. I'm of the mind that Daniel is deceased in the reality that is not Plato's cave, <laughs> like the real reality, whatever real reality is, Daniel is deceased as is Elliot. And mm -hmm. I've kind of of a suspicion that Ike, like I said before, is like, that her next love after Daniel and Daniel's like has to accept that in this reality that he's trapped in, like not really being in reality. So he has to accept this new love in her life. And I think having that in my mind and then going back and all those tense interactions between Daniel and Ike, where they agree with each other and they stick up for each other at some points, but they're very suspicious of each other, suspicious and they have this animosity that's not really explained. Um, so I think just with those, you know, suspicions, that makes it for a fun rewatch, watching for little moments like that. Mm -hmm. Well, that's How about you. Well, um, I think that. I was just noticing little things people said that struck me differently. Um, when when Mara comes down for breakfast the first time, Mrs. Wilson says that it's an unusual circumstance that she would be up so early. Yeah. Um, that struck me as unusual. Like, why is Mara sleeping in so much? I mean, it might be <laughs> because she's knocked out in her dream world all the time. But sleeping in is also can be a side effect of depression and obviously Mara has some baggage from her life so now. Yeah. um so there was that um Virginia also makes has a line that 
yuck is a sheep of a servant. And that stood out to me because of all this talk about sheep, sheep and wolves and the wolves. And um, it kind of made me think if there was a greater uh, allegory going on or analogy going on with sheep and wolves, like maybe on the boat in general, some of the passengers are sheep and some of the passengers are wolves. And uh, that would have gotten maybe explored later. The sheep would have, you could say the big picture would be the sheep were the ones that jumped overboard. Yeah. Right. Um, because, uh, you know, it's such a biblical allegory about, about like leaving the 99 for the one sheep and that sheep are so dumb. And that's why they, they call Jesus the good shepherd. And so mm -hmm. he needs to be followed. And here's these poor sheep. They just go over the side of the boat. And that's what sheep, uh, dumb sheep do when they, if they follow the wrong person, they yeah. fall off a cliff basically. Um, so that, that's something I would have imagined maybe got covered more later. Um, you're talking some specific episode one moments and I really think if this whole season had played out, we would have, uh, probably gone back and look at episode one in a different way now. I mean, cause you know, of course some of the dialogue is, um, you know, psychology 301 and we can kind of understand it, but I'm positive that they had an ending already in mind. And a lot of these little details in play that would have meant a lot. I mean, we're going back and looking at episode one and noticing things, but I think after we have seen season two and season three in our dream world, um, mm -hmm. episode one will mean so much more. I think for me, like doing the rewatch, it was definitely more interesting watching episodes one through four, because yeah. I feel like five through eight were so close to me that I didn't feel like I was going to learn anything new from those, but going back and kind of seeing how people interacted and how I felt about the characters differently than I did in the first rewatch. And mm -hmm. we'll get into that more when we when we talk about the characters, but just how I reacted to them um, was different. And I also noticed the theme of planting ideas. You mentioned Sebastian. One thing that somebody says later is when the the signal comes in and they give that to Ike and they say um, they mention, I think it's from the lost ship. I think it's Sebastian that says that or Wilhelm, one of the two of them mm -hmm. gives him those and they say, I think it's from the lost ship. And later on, there's a question about why are we going to rescue the ship? They haven't said they're, Prome they're, they're Prometheus and they haven't asked for help. So why are we chasing after them? And there's a thought about planting ideas in someone's head and how you can really control somebody by doing that. And, you know, this idea gets planted in Ike's head that it's the Prometheus. And mm -hmm. there's such a chain of events all throughout the show. One moment leads to another that almost seems like it's an inevitable course that they're going down each step of the way. And so that is one of those moments where I thought, well, you just planted the idea in his head that it was the ship. You know, otherwise, maybe he wouldn't have done that. But you were in control the whole time and making sure that that happened. He's also the planner of the idea that the boy is the reason 
that all this stuff is happening. That was directly Sebastian. He's also the guy that knows where those buttons are that nobody else does. I mean, Sebastian's right. Kyrian, and we got to start calling him Kyrian, okay? Or Syrian <laughs> or whatever his name is. He's not Sebastian. We know this now. <laughs> Reminds me so much of the, the movie Inception, which you've seen that. They talk about mm -hmm. that idea of planting an idea and how you can control somebody. And yeah. they don't even realize that you've just planted an idea in their head. And now you're on this course. And um, so that happens, you know over yeah. and over again in this simulation it can happen in our simulation too like example you're out with like a bunch of your friends and y'all are like you know going to somewhere and then you're going somewhere to eat and like the question comes up where are we going to eat i don't know i don't know i don't know somebody speaks up and plants the idea like oh i heard this place such and such is pretty good my friend went there all of a sudden everybody's on board oh yeah i've heard of that place too hell yeah planting ideas i mean you must have much more easygoing friends than i do steve <laughs> <laughs> i mean maybe so maybe try it do do some like really strong planting maybe like work on your planning skills johnny I appleseed try. i try but a lot of times there's a long discussion then about well no there always is. um you know, I'm from a, a large family and I'm the middle child. So inevitably my role was to negotiate and oh. whatever people would say, I would just be like, yeah, that's fine. Um, I have learned to be very assertive about sharing my ideas, but that doesn't mean that everybody always likes my ideas. <laughs> well, I do. I think this, I think this, uh, this YouTube is a great <laughs> idea. <laughs> um, yeah. So I don't know. I had, I had written down several things, but it, nothing was necessarily that interesting that I, I feel like I need to talk about it. Just, I, I started to really suspect a lot of the characters when before you had no idea what was going on really. And there has to be, oh, this was a big thing. Um, we've already all seen a show, please. If you, if you haven't, watch the show, watch the show before you watch this <laughs> closing of the show. But one of the things that struck me is we know that according to the show, Mara is the one who is or was originally in charge of the simulation. She right. created it, but she put her father in the role of a villain in her own simulation. Right. And this reminded me of another Christopher Nolan movie, which is Memento. And have you seen that one, Steve? It's been a while. I remember loving it, but it's been a while since I've seen it. Yeah. But in that show, the in that movie, the main character, it's filmed backwards, right? Yes. So you see a segment and then you see the segment that happened right before that. And so you're seeing the show unravel going backwards. And at the end, you realize that... Again, it's this idea of planting an idea. And in order for this man to continue and survive and live on beyond this trauma, he has to basically create a villain himself that he can hunt down and kill. That is what is keeping him going at this point. And that sort of reminded me of Mora is that if this is true, then she had to have a villain in her life because otherwise, why would you create a simulation where you have this guy that is always trying to get you in the chair and torture you and and plant things in your neck why would you do that to yourself but it's somehow it's it's helping mara to thrive and continue on 
um, in the way that she wants to. It's very sick. Yeah, she resented him for like watching her during that bird hunting trip uh, when she thought she was free. And she was like, he's always watching me. And I felt like I was finally free that one night. But I found out he was watching me the whole time. So, yeah, her villain, her dad is going to be if you want to watch me, Henry, you're going to have to sit there and watch over and over and over again while people die until you become um you know, dissociated from death itself, which is what happens. Um, he becomes Uwachu the Watcher. Uh, <laughs> if you're familiar with that character <laughs> from the DC universe or Marvel universe or something. Oh, the Watcher. Yeah, yeah. Just okay. forced to watch things and can't interfere, can't do anything. And that's why he wants desperately for the boy. He wants this all to be over. He doesn't want to watch anything anymore. Um, yeah. This godforsaken place. <laughs> That's right. His own words. <laughs> um, yeah. So, hey, the show's great, guys. So go back and watch it if you have if you haven't uh, rewatched it yet after your big watch. But those were those were the main things that jumped out for me. Yeah. Yeah. Rewatch it like three times. I mean, mm-hmm. I know that's I I've rewatched probably. I was thinking about it because I generally would watch it um, three times per episode for my podcast. And then I definitely rewatched it all over again. Um, And then when they had that, uh, the marathon where they were trying to get people to save 1899. Yeah. Watch 1899. Mm -hmm. I would just put the TV on and just have it on. Um, So I wouldn't be watching it, watching it, but it would be there. I'd be immersed in it. And then of course I watched it again for this so, it, so you're not you're not being the watcher. You're not watching it that closely. <laughs> I, I take notes every time. Like when I'm watching something like that, I'm gonna be like discussing. Mm-hmm. I I watch it. You can ask Heather. I watch it. <laughs> like yeah. I said, I think every line of dialogue is important. I think every like motion of eye, every shift is important. So I want to catch it all. Mm-hmm. All right. So we are to the themes of the show. And I just wanted to, you know, we have all the events, we have all the things that happen in the show, all the story beats, all the plot points. But if you look at the show and what we got and only what we got, not what we think would have happened, but with what we have, what do you, when you look at the big picture, what mm-hmm. do you think the show is about for you? Um loss grief grieving accepting loss um having trouble accepting loss anything in that sort of like loss grief death category and then hand in hand with that the inability to communicate properly about how you feel about it um that like in a nutshell simply says what i feel is like the the general tone themes Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I feel similar similarly. Although I think I'm thinking about a different point of the process of grief. In that, I feel like the for me the show is about letting go and how you do that well. So obviously, letting go is part of grief and loss, but it's almost like the part two when a tragedy happens and something's bad. You're dealing with that. 
the best way you can that moment when it's hard to get up and it's hard to function. But as time goes on, then you have to move on. And there's so much in the show about an inability to move on. Um, we have um, we have Ike's great line about you're stuck. They get to move on, yeah. but you're stuck. And is the ship an arc? Is it a... Um, we have people that hmm. have lost somebody and, you know, during the show, they even lose somebody and they have to sort of, in order to move forward, they have to leave that thing behind and their inability to do that destroys them. And, um, you know, like even with uh, Ling Yi and her mom, right? She hmm. couldn't leave Yuck behind and she ends up dying because of that and leading poor Olek to his death. Uh, so there's there's that. Um, we also have Mara. We see that she's not allowing Elliot to die. And somehow she's keeping him alive. Um, right. So that's keeping her stuck in this simulation. And Kieran, whether or not he's a real person, has been trying to pull her out as well as Daniel who's tried to help her to wake up from this world she's staying stuck in because of her inability to let go. So that's kind of what I've, what I've gotten with it so well is, is how you letting go and how do you let go well in a way that gives dignity to what you're leaving behind, but yet you know you can't stay there. You have to move forward to be able to function in the world. And if you can't do that, it's your downfall. Okay, yeah, I'm with you. Um, you uh, <laughs> you like, delved into yeah. that a lot better than I did. <laughs> and uh, I'm going to be honest, you um, you said something about the arc earlier. And it made me think about uh, Noah's Ark. And I know this is not Noah's Ark, but it is a big ship on water. And when we get to their last episode, we have everybody like paired up in twos, mm -hmm. but they're not paired up in the same twos that they should be paired into. They all kind of got like their original person, like either died or whatever. So they're all paired up with different people now and Mara and Ike as well. Cause she used to be paired up with Daniel. Now she's paired up with Ike. So I don't know. You said arc, mm -hmm. you didn't mean it A-R-K, but I took it as A-R-K. I'm exploring a new idea here. That no, I did mean A-R-K. Okay, good. Okay, that's so good. <laughs> my, I was appropriate in my... Because there's, <laughs> there's a rescue. It says that the, the little analog computer says that this is a rescue mission. So I thought about that right. a little bit. Who are they rescuing? At first, I thought it was saying, oh, we're going to rescue some people that mm. need rescued. But then I thought, well, maybe this is like a generation ship where we're like, no, this is the new this is the new um, society here on this ship. We're taking the new citizens yeah. to their new home um, and we're rescuing society by taking a portion of the people that are left on Earth um to go where no man has ever gone before um so yeah no i did mean an arc like okay um, i know that's getting into where the show would have gone so it's sort of getting into that prediction 
that we weren't exactly <laughs> ready for. But um, when you're talking about letting go, I guess it just struck me is that what are we letting go on in order for us to like have this new life, we have to move forward. And Daniel was trying to get Mara uh, to take care of business. You know, you can't stay here. You have to wake <laughs> up. Otherwise right. there will be nothing left to wake up for. And, um, you know, Daniel has to interrupt Mara's sleep state or whatever she was in to be like, okay, no, this is the real world happening right here. So, yeah, I almost think that like he was trying to get her to wake up and he didn't really want her to wake up. Because when she woke up, he would not be there, like, in the mm -hmm. same reality. So he was kind of, like, you know, resigned to that. Mm -hmm. And just like you said, he, he had to face this thing and didn't want to, but was but chose to go forward with it for her sake. Because mm -hmm. um, it's what she needed. All he was was just something she was clinging to when she needed to let go of that. Or he was literally saying, I'm always with you because we loved each right. other once, you know, so. Yes. Um, yeah. That's how I took that when he was like, I'm always here with you. That kind of sounds like a, like a deathy kind of thing to say. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'll always be with you on your deathbed, you know, kind of thing. You don't say that when you send your kid off to college. At least I didn't. Caleb, I will always be with you. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> no, I said, have a good time. I'll see you in four years. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, going back to um, kind of going back to Inception, the the um, the main character I can't remember his name, Leonardo DiCaprio's character. I can't remember his name, but he's um, holding on to his wife, but he feels guilt about her death. Mm -hmm. So if Daniel is indeed trying to get more to move on, he's definitely the nicest um, dream vision, a lot nicer than. <laughs> than marie cotillard was in that movie because she was like nope you stay here with me true <laughs> you said yeah. you'd never leave me you know daniel's like if, if what we're saying is true and he is definitely dead then he's a very kind um vision of of her past he's like not wanting her to to let go to uh hold keep holding on to the past i mean i get that vibe from daniel that he's you know that he does things in honor that may not benefit him but that will benefit mara because mm -hmm. he's enamored with her and that red hair he loves her and he wants to live with her forever in like the little room <laughs> yeah i mean i don't know if i'm seeing it quite like you do because it's like yeah they have their room with like they did what'd you say they just have make out and read books that's what they do all day so yeah because they go outside there's a big pyramid there they don't want to see that <laughs> yeah it's not very good scenery I mean, it kind of is, but just for like a few minutes. And then it's like, Ooh, this is scary. Let's go back inside. It's good scenery for like a death metal album, you know, yeah. cover, but not necessarily for a romantic evening at home. No, definitely not. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe for your goth girlfriend. I don't know. One of those kind of deals. <laughs> okay. So prediction of where the story would have gone. I mean, we could probably spend a long time here, but what is your hot take on you know, we've sort of talked about already, but yeah, what's I your big hot take over what you think was going on? Yeah, this uh, this isn't new. This is what I was saying before. So I guess we're we're kind of retreading some of the same topics in a way, 
because yep there you go in the, in the sea of the kerberos um yeah that uh, daniel and elliot are dead and that ike is her new love and that daniel is you know trying to get mara to stop you know living in this dream world where she's trying to like hang on to elliot and daniel he's like go live your life and be with that handsome ike guy and meanwhile her brother sebastian kirian i mean that's like another hot take i guess is it's not really i mean it seems like it's almost obvious that that's going to be the case that's going to be her brother and it'll be a surprise if that's not her brother but yeah that's where i think it was going that that is her brother and he may not be of great intent mm -hmm. yeah i mean i you know i was kind of thinking everybody was there in their pods and somebody, one person has actually died, quote unquote, and the other mm -hmm. person um, is alive and is trying to oh. revive them, sort of like a frozen, um, frozen uh, embryo kind of, not embryo, but, um, you know, like how people will like, okay, we're just going to keep you in ice and then um, mm -hmm. we'll try to I give you another, it. yeah, stasis. We're going to try to give you another brain when you arrive. Um, so it's a okay. bunch of people in mourning. And I actually wondered if um, the characters were left at the end. So like Ramiro no longer had Angel and Tove no longer had her parents. I almost thought that maybe those were the people that were actually alive still. Right. And everybody, other people that they were with was ship. And so the ship allows you to be with your loved one um while you're traveling through space to your new home and kind of just live that fake reality over and over again um but i hadn't you know it's like hmm. for what purpose it's like yeah i don't know exactly and it was just it was just a hot idea because i wondered how many of those people that were on board were still actually um actively brained <laughs> making yeah. other weird, weird, weird verbs here um, i was kind of wondered how much they were connected because we saw like mara's thing and then we saw little glimpses of lucians little glimpses of lings and olix and stuff but we you know i guess they well, that's true and she also said that they're connected through neural pathways yeah yeah. So I wasn't sure if they were all having a sh the same shared experience. What was happening? You know, I'm very curious what was happening in Jerome's brain up there in that spaceship. If he was along for the ride, making all those same decisions, like if that was actually his consciousness that was uploaded to Mora's simulation, or mm -hmm. if Jerome was going through his own thing with like him and Lucian in his world and had a completely different simulation. I don't think so. I think mm -hmm. they all would have been like um, connected, you know, like in dark. Everybody is connected in ways you don't realize until the latter part of season three. The big reveal. Jerome is Mara's dad. Um, <laughs> I mean, Ramiro yeah. is having an affair with Tove and that's Ramiro's baby in there. Um, <laughs> well, it knows? is, you know, another another connection that struck me is like Crestor with his love interest from from their from that dream world mm -hmm. in a way his story you know we already talked about how ike's past and mars past have a lot of things in common well with um in in crester's story 
he hooked up with the rich landowner's son. And here's Angel and Ramiro. Ooh, Ramiro is call. the servant of Angel. Yeah. And so I wondered if their stories were also um, that that's why Angel was attracted to Crestor is because it's basically the same story over and over again that he's already experienced um, just in a person from a different, completely different culture. Right. Um, so there could be other stories um, that echo each other. Like we had a betrayal between Jerome and Lucian. And is there another character that had experienced a betrayal that we hadn't seen yet? Um, it, yeah, somebody, somebody like uh, had a speculation that Virginia was, the wife like Mara's mom or something yeah, i mean i don't i don't, me. I don't believe that but oh that was you okay i don't believe it either the ages don't line up it doesn't seem to make sense but that's the gist that i got when she was crying over that letter and henry was looking at her like at that moment i was like ah that's like a wife. cat with his catnip henry was looking at her <laughs> yep <laughs> bunch of weirdos in the show yeah. but yeah I, I had that strong feeling too but um I mean, it could be, and I like I said before, I believe that like little Ada represents a little stand-in for young Mara. When we're talking about young Mara, I picture little Ada like asking those big questions. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's there's a lot of connections we saw in the show, so there maybe would have been more that would have been explored yeah. later on. Anything else you want to throw in there for wild theories? Because that's about it for me. Yeah, same here. Um, I wish we had more to go on. <laughs> I don't have any other wild theories, I don't think, besides what we've already discussed or what I've posted on Reddit. <laughs> yeah. I there was the the cool one I saw about Clements, which I already referred to with the fact that she's the only person that doesn't potentially have a letter of her own because she gets the letter from the pocket of her pants. Now, she oh. could have taken her pants. Yeah. From she could have taken her letter from her skirt and stuck it in her pant pocket. Yeah. But if the letter was from the pants, um, and the pants are from Angel's room, which somebody said that when they're in the room, um, her and Toby are in the room, the sheep and the wolf paintings on the wall. So they were like, the pants belong to Angel. Um, and so um interesting. Yeah. So if she has this letter, if she or if she had Lucien's letter, somebody was saying that. Clements in the simulation doesn't normally survive, but that somehow she got past, she leveled up and um, stole a letter. And so then she's in this time getting to participate with the letter crew um, because everybody else, we, we saw everybody else have a letter, but we never saw Clements have a letter. We saw Lucien have a letter. So it must have been when yeah. she carried Lucian up the stairs. That's when she leveled up, and that's when she grabbed the letter out of his pocket and shoved it in her pocket. <laughs> that's true. That's true. Because she did uh, probably get to see that box that was there because she was looking for his vials, right? She was looking for yeah. his vials, and the vials yep. are in the same box with the letter. So that makes sense. We just does. figured it all out. <laughs> we did. But then again, I'm always like the the nebbish one That's that's like, well, she pulled a letter out of her pocket. So the, the showrunners are clearly telling us that she had a letter too. And this is a big surprise because we didn't know that Ramiro had a letter either. And he pulls one out of his pocket. 
So in Ling, Ling pulls one out of her pocket. So I think that that I saw that moment as like the big moment, like, oh, they all have letters. I wasn't looking at it like whose letters do they have? I assumed that all their letters in their pocket were their own, especially like paired with the dialogue that mm. Mara was throwing at them at the moment. Yeah. I mean, Ling could have taken Oluk's letter before he got swept overboard. She stuck her hand in his pants pocket and <laughs> swiped that off and saved it from the waves. <laughs> she was trying like for one more like angel, angel like crester moment before he went over. That's on hell's move. He just sticks his hand in the dude's pocket. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay, so <laughs> we are almost done with this ginormous closing show. But I did want to throw out there about the groups, the group, the showrunners, Bo and Yancha, their new project that is being rumored. Ah. Now, this is not finalized because the show has not been um definitely accepted yet but it's an adaptation of a graphic novel series called something is killing the children by james tinian the fourth have you already heard about this i'm sure you have in the uh reddit threads yeah of course i have because okay. i i heard about this with dismay because i wasn't thrilled about the news i was very excited to see Bo and Jonte in the uh, in the Netflix um, building at the at the studios for those awards. I was like, oh, look at them. They're good sports and they they got their show canceled, but they're going up there anyway. And this is good news. Mm -hmm. Then like the next day I saw this show. And then the day after that, he's out there changing his profile picture to something is killing the children. So I mean, even though it that's that's the um I guess that's the the frame of reference that I have this show around is it disappointed me <laughs> that it got announced. Um, so it's not actually in the trades then. I thought that they like officially announced this show. There was an there. The article I saw said something like if the show gets greenlit. Hmm. Um, so but it's being worked on. It's OK, being they're getting the opportunity to Stage pitch one. this and put it together. <laughs> Uh, but I think, yeah, there's a lot of dismay from the fandom about yeah. them working with Netflix again. I don't have any thought against them for that um, necessarily as a humanist mm -hmm. um, because they they reached a decision about this and they. Yeah. I guess I can see where people are coming from. I'm not that far gone where I'm going to like start being mad at them or anything along mm -hmm. those lines. Um it's just very interesting to me. Let's just say that it's very interesting. And it, yeah, <laughs> it's, it was one of these WTF moments. It's one of these, you lost me moments. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, you have to, I think from their perspective, you have to appreciate the amount of benefits they get from their partnership with Netflix. And so yeah. I'm sure that that has a lot to do with their decision. I think a lot of fans would like them to say like, well, sayonara, Netflix, you screwed up. And so I will now leave you behind. But it's like, who are we to who are we to say, you know, we're not the ones making it. Exactly. We're not the ones out there putting our heart and soul into a show. Exactly. This news kind of excites me because it's a teen book. It's a graphic novel. I'm a teen librarian. 
who reads graphic novels and is a big fan <laughs> of graphic novels. Right on. This is also a big uh, graphic novel franchise that is not a like a Marvel or a DC universe. So it's there's um, a culture and you know money that's being spent by people by this. So it has quite a following already. And I always appreciate that because you get to maybe interact. This will inter- help new fans interact with their content. I know Bo really likes graphic novels. And so um, this would be a chance for him to work inside that medium that he enjoys. And, um, you know, people were also like, supposedly people are like, well, it sounds sort of like a stranger things. And um, so then people were like, oh, another, you know, they're copying. Okay, but we all know they're very original and they do their own thing. So I'm confident that whatever they do, it's going to be well done and well crafted. Um, But the description I have is, When the children of Archer's Peak begin to go missing, everything seems hopeless. Most children never return, but the ones that do have terrible stories, impossible stories of terrifying creatures that live in the shadows. Their only hope of finding and eliminating the threat is the arrival of a mysterious stranger, one who believes the children and claims to see what they can see. Her name is Erica Slaughter. She kills monsters. Okay. I mean... I, I can see how it'd be interesting. I can I can see how people would like this. I don't know if it's up my alley, and I'll give it a shot. Mm-hmm. But I, I mean, are you familiar with the source material? I haven't read it, but I did put it on hold at the library. <laughs> okay, all right. So I can yeah, take a look at it. That's what I was wondering, if this was like a graphic novel that you were already recommending to kids, and you're like, heck yes, my, my people, Bo and Jonte, are making this. <laughs> so I wasn't sure if you already had a connection to it or not. I do not, but, um, but I, yeah, I said some of my, I asked my coworkers that read a lot more graphic novels than I do if they have read it and they said no, but they keep, they've kept meaning to, to do so. Um, it's like, it's on their list of things they want to watch. So, um, it does, I also think it's kind of, it sounds a lot more like a horror genre. Yes. Um, so that get, that's also a little bit different than, you know, they've been, they kind of lean science fiction. So again, um, I'm just excited for them to maybe again, get to experiment in a different medium and, um, just happy that they're working now. I think again, people are like, well, what happened to till, you know? Oh, right. Yeah. What did happen to till? Do you know? Yeah, I, I'm not sure, but I feel like somebody said that it's not happening or it's like on hold for now, kind of like production hell, they call it when something just hangs. I wonder Um, if that has something to do with the fact that there's two movies out there being produced right now. One of them till T I L L and there's T Y L L. And I wonder if it was too similar in titles and Mm. I don't know. Just it doesn't guessing. seem to doesn't seem to bother people like when that happens. We actually, you know, we had two versions <laughs> of Pinocchio released. <laughs> it always happens in twos. Like, yeah, <laughs> like like the uh, the Deep Impact, and like there was another similar Deep Impact movie that came out mm. at the same time. That seems to happen a lot. Um, the I guess um, 
I will definitely check out something is killing the children just because of Bo and Jante, but it just by the description that you read, it didn't really catch my um, peak of interest. Mm -hmm. um, I yeah, know, I can I'm... understand. Do you watch? Do you like Stranger Things? Is that a show you watched? Um, I watched it by default. I enjoyed it. Um, I paid attention to it. Mm -hmm. um it was it was charlotte that watched it and then me and heather watched it with her and then charlotte got ahead of us so then me and heather continued watching it and then we watched the seasons as they progressed people think we named our dog after the stranger things character because his name is hopper okay. but it's not hopper from stranger things it's hopper from wheel of time okay uh, <laughs> um yeah i thought stranger things was fine it was a fine show it or it is a, it remains a fine show they have one more season to go um, Finn Wolfhard says he's not too excited about filming a season beyond this season, but he's willing to go one more season. Yeah, I think um, that's that's the plan is one more season only. I appreciate Stranger Things for what it's accomplished. It's um, gotten a lot of viewers. It's gotten people interested in 80s culture mm -hmm. and um, it's put, you know, old songs back on the charts again, which is great for those artists. Um, but, you know, just. I think I would have liked it a lot more in 1995 if it had came out mm -hmm. i suppose um yeah it's interesting because you know this is obviously this is an adaptation of a teen graphic novel so i think that when people hear that they kind of have a certain opinion about it and that it might be um for younger people and it and it could be you know maybe they want to work yeah. for for in younger people's television for a time and that's fine but there's also um you know, like that Shadow and Bone series that's mm -hmm. adapted from a teen fantasy novel. And a lot of adults love that show. And um, we also have Lock and Key. Yeah, I was going to say Lock and Key and um, the one. There's the Umbrella one Academy. Well, the Umbrella no, Academy I was going to say one. the one that's like the sister of Sherlock Holmes, Anola uh, um, Holmes. Um, those not familiar with that one okay it's a um like a spinoff of a, a Sherlock Holmes um <laughs> like okay. the younger sister but the, a lot of adults love those so it just depends on how it's done if you know if it can sort of cross audiences right and not yeah. you know Stranger Things definitely has and a lot of it has to do with that 80s culture and being able to grab that in so I am definitely interested to see what they're going to do about it um do with it it doesn't necessarily yeah. strike me as like the plot itself doesn't strike me as anything exciting but it it's also like these showrunners I love so I'm sure like you yeah. I will definitely be checking it out and interested and I'm interested to read the graphic novels and see what the deal is with that yeah the showrunners yes but um, the subject material is just not for me. Like, like I said, the Mandalorian, it's just not for me. Mm -hmm. I can respect these decisions that people make. Um, you look at the Netflix, you scroll around their shows and their movies, and it's obvious it's geared towards younger people. Uh, a lot of like, you know, reality shows, a lot of, um, when I say reality shows, I don't mean like, you know, real world type reality or bachelorette, like cooking shows and like easy to digest shows plenty of kid shows, plenty of kid movies. 
because kids are huge and all adults used to be kids. So it makes obvious, I mean, that makes a lot of sense to me why they would go that direction, but it bums me out because I, when you're talking about graphic novels, I was always liking the smaller graphic novels like put out by like Fanographics and Dark Horse. I was never into like Marvel or, or DC. It just seemed like that was just not for me either. And mm-hmm. so when you see like a property or like a team like Bo and John say that you feel like it is for you, it's almost like no matter what they do, you're going to kind of pay attention to it. You're going to watch it. Um, so that's mm-hmm. what I'll do. I'm going to check yeah. it out. I might watch half of the episode one and tune out like I did with the Mandalorian, but I'll definitely check it out. Mm-hmm. Right on, as you'd say. <laughs> So, Steve, we've come to the end of our trip. Yeah. But it's not the end of our journey. No. It's only the beginning, right? (laughs) I think this is like, is this the first full podcast that you and I have done together? I think it is, right? With just the two of us. Yeah. We did a short. We did a short. uh, Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I imposed a short, uh, like, 15-minute pod on you. And you imposed a three-hour 1899 podcast on me in return. And you're not seeing the last of Steve and Lindsay. That's right. We're going to dive into the dark ways, aren't we? Yes. So Steve and Introvoid is what we also call him. He is finishing up his Wheel of Time rewatch with James the Marshland Monster. And once they finish that, Steve and I are going to embark upon a journey through dark. And this is very exciting because I love dark and I have done recaps of these, but I almost felt like I missed the boat on dark, not to be too punny, but I really felt like okay there's already so many great dark podcasts yep and i you know you missed your chance to do that one (laughs) but i think for both of us watching how people reacted to 1899 and many people who were had not watched dark but had started with 1899 are now going to dark or people who already watched Dark are going back to Dark to watch That's it again. Right. And if this show just doesn't seem to quit, people are always still discovering it to this day. I will get comments on those recaps saying, I just started watching. Thank you so much for doing these recaps. And so it, uh, you know, you asked me to do this recap uh, you know to recap dark and so i agreed but steve why don't you say to our viewers Mm -hmm. why is it you wanted to visit dark again oh yeah for the exact same reason i wanted to do the the wheel of time podcast um because i enjoyed that show and i wanted to uh watch it with a more uh you know, more, I'm running out of words, Lindsay. We used, we used all of all, all of our words and I don't have any left. More detail. 
more attention yeah, to detail I, more attention to detail i wanted to and another thing was is there was no wheel there's very few wheel of time recap podcasts out there so i wanted to make that available and at the same time i wanted to keep myself in the world it was a self-serving thing i was doing um, i wanted to show the show to james but at the same time i wanted to understand it better myself and i wanted to look for clues that might come up on season two i wanted to look for book easter eggs and no better way to do that than to like you know watch it take notes and do it with somebody else who also has a keen eye that can pick up things that you might miss so the show 1899 came around i wanted to do that i really wanted to watch the show i was really into it and i recognized it as a puzzle box show so again, I wanted to do this for myself. So I would be in tune and I would watch it and pay attention and be able to offer, you know, a recap for people who are like me that drive around all day and like to listen to recaps of shows they watch. Dark also is probably more than any of them, the most self-serving podcast that I want to do <laughs> because I watched all of Dark, um, I binged it, which is something I don't normally do. I watched like one to two episodes like every night. And, you know, I finished the whole series like within like a two week period. And I would do the thing where like I would start an episode and then I would fall asleep and then I would not quite know what I missed. And then I just watched the next episode and like there was stuff that I missed. There was things that went over my head. And when we got towards the end, um, I saw the end. I know how it ends. It, everything is spoiled, but I don't really quite understand all the connections. I didn't quite understand who was who, who was connected to who, and how these things went. I figured the best way to do it is to recap it and to do it myself and to take my notes and to watch it twice. And I knew that you had done the recaps too, so it just seemed like an obvious move to to get back into that world, especially now that 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 door has been opened again, thanks to 1899. Um, if it wasn't for 1899, I probably would not be doing the dark podcast. So like, it's kind of like a, an A to B to C situation. Um, mm -hmm. Everything's so connected. Everything's, Everything's connected, connected. What you're trying to say. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's a big, uh, that's a big line from the dark fandom. So you probably mm -hmm. already know that, but everybody says everything is connected. Yeah. Um, so yes, thank you for pouring all that out. I totally agree. Um, it's going to be a exhausting but rewarding journey. I say exhausting just because I feel like this show does take dark does take a lot of energy and attention to be able to really savor it. And if right. this is going to be my recap podcast show, we will definitely be savoring it. So yes. we'll. I'm thinking we'll probably do a similar format that you did where we're watching, recapping one episode a week so we can take our time with it. And I already have written recaps. I will post the link for that in the show notes so you can um, know where to find those. But we'll also be, you know, when I make my posts on my website, I will also be sharing those each week so you can have the recap and the video and the sound file together in one post, the same as I did 1899. So whatever format, your preferred format for recapping this, you'll be able to do all of this at once. But this show definitely rewards you with rewatches by doing that. And it also 
I would say you keep finding new things each time. And each time you watch the show, you're watching it during a different phase of your life. And so things are probably going to hit you differently as well. True. So that is what's coming up for, for the future of the sweet child of time. And the one of my stories collaboration. I think we have it scheduled to start at the end of March. So yeah, um, I was, look, I was looking up. at my, yeah, I was looking at my calendar. It looks like March twentieth is when we're supposed to record. Uh, is when we're supposed to get together and record the first episode. So I'll release wow. it the same okay. week personally. <laughs> um, but if we got to push that back, we got to push it back. There's no guns involved. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm not Tove running at you with a gun. Um, okay, that's, just that's a, good that's to just know. A date on a calendar written in pencil is all that is. <laughs> I would like to get uh, my 1899 recaps published before I move on to dark um, dark is already done, but still um, once I go to dark, I'm not going to want to go back to 1899. So, um, right. but it's coming soon is what you need to know. Dear viewers, it's coming Correct. soon and you'll be able to follow that at both of our channels. So um, is there anything else we want to say before we do our shout outs and talk about where people can find us? Nope. I'm nope. ready for that time, man. <laughs> you're ready for uh after we've gone almost three and a half hours, you're ready to wrap this up. Yeah, I'm surprised. Yeah. We're gonna release this as a two-parter or like go ahead and just release the whole thing. We'll figure it'll, it out. Yeah. All right. So Steve, thank you so much for your time and attention. Why don't you tell people how they can find you and all of your great material? Thank you for saying that. Um I guess Instagram is a great place to find me because I post my links um, in my profile description. Uh, I have an intro.void. That's my main podcast podcast feed. That's my main Instagram account. I do have a, a link tree and maybe Lindsay will put that link tree link in her notes. She's nodding her head. Yes. Cause the link tree of course has every single link. Basically I do sweet child of time every week. I'm starting to do a podcast called This Week in Animals, where I interview people about pets and animals. Um, you'll, you'll find that right there on the link tree and right on my Instagram. I've got a Sweet Child of Time pod um, Instagram as well. But really, that intro void one is your one-stop shop for Steve Barnes. Mm -hmm. That's the best place. You're also on Twitter. Um well, uh, I'm on Twitter. I'm on Facebook. I'm on TikTok. I'm on all that stuff. But really the Instagram is, is where I seem to get people talking to me most and get the most interaction. Um, mm -hmm. so I would encourage people to do that or. Yeah. You heard it. How about you, Lindsay? <laughs> well, I'm at one of my stories, of course, the number one of my stories on Twitter, Instagram, letterbox, SoundCloud, YouTube, and probably something else I'm forgetting, but, or you can Get on my website at one of my stories.com. That's the number one of my stories.com. And with that, we're going to say adieu to you, dear viewers. If you've hung in for this almost three and a half hour recording, kudos to you. But even if you tapped out after 20 minutes, we still kudos appreciate you. you. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Leave a comment, leave a follow, leave a review. Leave a kiss. Uh, yeah. <laughs>
But um, we're going to say good night. Now, Steve always likes to say on his show that I hope you always find water and shade. So I don't want him to feel like uh, we didn't get to say that to each other. So okay. I hope you find water and shade, Steve. I hope you found water and shade right behind you. There's lots of water and there's lots of clouds <laughs> for lots of shade cover. I think you're covered, Lindsay. <laughs> All right, guys. Thank you so much. This is Lindsay. One of my stories signing off. Steve, sweet shot of time. Bye-bye.